Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this November the 8th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And the reason that we talk all the time about Law and Gospel is not only because that's the title of the program, but that is how we understand the Christian faith. The Christian faith is best understood with the distinctions between law and gospel. And one of the best books to look at to help us understand that is the book of Proverbs. Now, a lot of people think they can read the Bible when they read the English and they understand it. But the book of Proverbs is an excellent book. Choose any chapter in the book of Proverbs. Just open it up and read eight verses. And I guarantee you that you will not understand three or four of them. And the reason you won't understand them isn't because they're written in Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic, but they're written in English. But you do not know the background of what God is trying to say here. And so the book of Proverbs really needs a pastor trained in theology who is able to look at the culture of the day as well as Solomon's experience to understand what he is writing about. Now, not all of Proverbs is written by Solomon, but most of it is. We're taking a look today at Proverbs 27, beginning with verse 14. And this is kind of headed up as dealing with family, friends, and other people. Verse 14, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it will be counted as cursing. Now, does anybody understand that? Your neighbor in the early morning with a loud voice is blessing you, and yet God counts it as cursing. Why? Well, the key is that the neighbor is using a loud voice. That means he is exaggerating the blessings or it, uh, the blessings are ill-timed or insincere. Haven't you run across that at work? You wanna get on the right side of the boss and you tell him, Boy, you're doing a good job in this area, hoping maybe that you'll get a promotion. So you're blessing him, but you don't really mean it. You have a different intention. And that's what God is saying. Rising early in the morning, waking people up with a loud voice, blessing your neighbor, God considers that as actually cursing him because it's ill-timed for sure. 
And it probably is also exaggerated. So that's something that God looks at. If you're cursing your neighbor, you do so with a loud voice early in the morning. Verse 15, a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. Now, you got to remember Solomon is writing this and he ends up getting many, many wives as well as concubines. So you can understand that he has wives who are quite quarrelsome. Maybe they all want to be with him and they can't because of the numerous wives he has. And so that's why he's talking about a quarrelsome wife. We would also say a quarrelsome husband is like a continual dripping on a rainy day. Now the word continual dripping we refer to as a hapax legomena, which means it's the only time it appears in the Bible. And perhaps you go to bed at night and it starts raining and you can't sleep because it's dripping on your windows, etc. Or a lot of times you'll have a sink that you can't turn off and it drips, drips, drips all day and all night. A quarrelsome wife is like that. It just bothers you. This, therefore, is a proverb from God to warn about who you marry. We've always said to marry someone of the Lutheran faith, the proper Luther faith, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Because if you marry someone of a different religion, you're going to have quarrels as to whether or not the baby should be baptized, whether you should take the Lord's Supper, all kinds of things because of the difference in religions. That's why, in my opinion, Lutheranism is the closest you can get to a summary of the Christian faith. So, be careful who you marry or who you date. 16. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. What is that talking about? Well, it's actually going back to verse 15 about the quarrelsome wife. The original Hebrew says to hide her, not just restrain her, is like restraining the wind. Nobody can restrain the wind. If the wind is really windy, let's say you got a tornado, a hurricane, or whatever. You can't restrain it. Uh, movies are ridiculous. 
uh, a lot of the movies today start off with what they think is global warming that's causing all the problems in the world. And then I just saw a movie where there's this huge storm and it's like a hurricane with an eye. And they decided that if you take a jet up in the air and then fly it into the eye of the hurricane and let it explode, it will stop the weather. So the main character, who always seems to be a woman, ends up flying this jet up in the air. She's going over the speed of sound as she is rushing back to the earth. And of course, just before it hits the earth at over the speed of sound, she ejects from the plane, which is ridiculous. She would be dead immediately, but no, she floats down and everybody considers her a hero. And the storm stops. That's the ridiculousness that you find in movies today. You can't control the weather. And to try to control or hide your wife, who is quarrelsome, is tr trying to restrain the wind. Or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, let me put oil in your right hand and let's see how long you're going to be able to hold it. It's just going to leak through your fingers. That's what God is saying. You have a quarrelsome wife or a quarrelsome husband for the other spouse to try and hide him or her is like trying to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Verse 17, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Now, what's that talking about? Remember, we're dealing with family, friends, and other people. Iron does sharpen iron. You can take an iron sword and make it sharper by rubbing iron against it. And one man sharpens another. This is a positive thing from God because what he is saying is if the one man who is sharp and begins to sharpen another, he is improving the wits and the understanding of the other. That happens in the church all the time, where a pastor who is the iron is sharpening the iron in the congregation. The members of the congregation are hearing God's word, and they're hearing new things they never heard before, as the pastor does an in-depth study from an exegetical point of view. That means 
you're really looking at the original languages as to what it means. You go to youth confirmation or adult confirmation, and there's the pastor sharpening the iron of those in attendance, and they become more understanding of God's will, improving their wits, which is the purpose of proper teaching and preaching. 18, verse 18 of Proverbs 27. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who guards his master will be honored. Now, what's that talking about? Whoever tends a fig tree, whoever is a good farmer and is taking care of the figs, he will eat its fruit. In Palestine, the fig tree would bear fruit not only in June, but also in August and September. And so that was always good to eat by those who were farming. The second part of the proverb moves from the farm to the king's court. He who guards his master will be honored. You can actually say, he who attends to his master, he who serves his master will be honored. And there's no doubt that that happens. When kings are properly served, they reward the servers. They may lower taxes. They may give them gifts. They may have parties. Who knows? But it also refers to God. He who attends his master God will be honored by God. And that honor will occur not only after Judgment Day in heaven, but also here on earth. God will honor you. 19. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. Now, what does it mean that face reflects face? Well, if you look into still water, you will see your face as a mirror. And so mirror can reflect what your face looks like. So also the heart of man reflects the man. If you have a heart of greed, people will recognize that just by what you say. I was watching a movie and there were five people trying to get up into the mountain away from a volcano. And there was a little girl. And the person who was in charge gave out the food, but they gave more food to the little girl 
than to the adults. And one of the adults said, why is she getting more food than me? And everybody looked at him and recognized how greedy he was. A child needs more food than an adult. But he was angry and greedy. And so his heart reflected him. Verse 20, Shaol and Abaddon are never satisfied. Well, I'll bet you if you asked 80% of your congregation, what is that talking about? They would not know that in the Old Testament, those are the names for hell. Shaol and Abaddon. They're never satisfied. The devil is never satisfied with the number of people that he's sending to hell. He always wants more. And that's why he persecutes you. He tempts you. He deceives you to get you to sin. And he's not doing a bad job because many people, even in the United States, don't think it's wrong to have an abortion or homosexuality or even commit suicide. It's what they want to do. We talked about this about San Francisco, where the newspaper said the people have the idea that they can do whatever they want, whatever their desires are. And they are headed for Sheol and abandon. And the second part of the parable, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. Now we're talking about man in his original state. When he is born, he has original sin. And we've already talked about that the only evidence that Christianity is correct is the fact that original sin infects everyone. Nobody is innocent, pure, or sinless. Not since the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, except for Jesus, of course. That's really important to understand that the eyes of man, they take a look at the riches of someone else. Oh, what a nice house, what a nice car. They have a good family and they get jealous because what they see is what they want. I mean, how many times have I gone into a computer store and seen something, oh boy, that would really work well with my computer. <laughs> and so you buy it, the eyes of man and then it'll sit and hardly ever be used. Or it goes out of existence. Yeah, there's a number of printers I have, but you can no longer get ink for them because it's over 10 years and they don't make it anymore. So the eyes are never satisfied. That's what God is saying. 
What we need are new eyes. And that comes with our new Adam in baptism, where now we look at the works that God wants us to do, and we're not satisfied when we can't do them. In fact, we grieve and repent over them. So hell, the devil is never satisfied because the eyes of man are never satisfied. Verse 21, the crucible is for silver. The furnace is for gold. And a man is tested by his praise. Now, what does that mean? Well, just like you would use a crucible to work with silver and a furnace to work for gold, you can test a man by his praise. From where does his praise come? If it comes from himself, then you understand him to be selfish. But if the praise comes from God, because he's doing the works of God, then you know that test. So take a look at a person. And if they're praising, are they praising themselves or are they praising God? Verse 22, the last verse in this section. Crush a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his folly will not depart from him. Now, the word fool in Proverbs refers to an unbeliever. And so God is using this metaphor that you would often crush grain in a pestle and you would take an object and push it against the grain and crush it. God is saying, even if you crush a fool with a pestle along with crushed grain. Now, the word grain here, most scholars don't understand what it means. It is found in 2 Samuel Chapter 17, verse 19, the only other place in the Bible where it's referred to as dirt or sand. So if you crush a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed sand, you know, that's a real discipline. Yet his folly will not depart from him. In other words, that will not change his unbelief. It may change his behavior because he doesn't want to be punished or disciplined, but away from parents, he'll continue to do what is wrong. Even if you crush a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain. 
In other words, what is this proverb saying? There is no human effort that a person can use that will work to change a person. The only thing that will change a person is the word of God. But when they fall from the faith, boy, it is sometimes impossible that they're going to be saved. It's found in Hebrews 6, verse 4 and following. It says, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God, and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and hiding or holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. So there's a Bible verse to show the impossibility of moving a person from unbelief once he's fallen into it again back to faith. Now, God can do that, but a human being cannot by means of reason. You need the Word of God. I'm Tom Baker, and tomorrow we'll continue with a law and gospel point of view as we take a look at another subject. Email me at tombaker at brick.net. Until tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.